0: Chapter Six, Part One, of Rocks and Their Origins by Grenville A. J. Cole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Metamorphic rocks. Introduction. Under the term metamorphism, considered philologically, any change may be included that is undergone by rocks after their original deposition. Van Huys in his monumental treatise covers processes of cementation and alteration by percolating waters as well as those larger changes that accompany earth movement and the transference of rocks into regions of igneous activity it is indeed impossible to draw any just line in this matter but there is a general agreement that metamorphic rocks are those that have been altered by heat or pressure or both either on a local or a regional scale with the result that new structures, or new minerals, or both, have arisen in the mass. The efficacy of heat alone, or of pressure alone, of contact metamorphism, or of dynamo-metamorphism, in producing considerable changes, has much been debated. Some of the thermal changes have been already referred to in the chapter on igneous rocks, while, moreover, the new structures and the development of mica in ordinary slate bring it into the metamorphic group, we have found it convenient to describe the slates in connection with common clays. The rocks now to be dealt with give evidence of more extreme changes, and the crystalline character of their constituents is appreciable by the unaided eye. For the most part, then, this chapter treats of gneisses and schists. The wider use of the terms schist and schifer on the continent of Europe makes it necessary in most countries to style the metamorphic forms crystalline schists over wide areas of certain countries and sometimes when we approach the localized cores of mountain chains the rocks show a parallel arrangement of their constituents reminding us of sediments but their constituents are all crystalline and they are more interlocked with one another than is the case in ordinary strata such rocks have long been said to be foliated the term was used by g p scrope as far back as eighteen twenty five but this author in common with most geologists of his day regarded the mineral folia as resulting from sedimentation d'aubusson de Voisin had already referred the parallelism of the feuillets of mica in schis to some cause acting on them during the consolidation of the rock from a plastic state but it was left for charles darwin in his remarkable observations on metamorphic rocks in eighteen forty six to separate clearly foliation from stratification In all cases of metamorphism, we have to bear in mind that the alteration may be both chemical and physical. Substances may have been removed from the rock, others may have been imported. The crystalline constituents that are now present do not necessarily result from the crystallization of the original materials of the rock. Mica and hornblende Schists Schists are the ordinary foliated rocks of fine or medium grain. The folia are really flattened lenticular mineral aggregates often bent and waved lying on and against one another with their platy surfaces in parallel planes. They result one from the deformation under pressure of objects already present in the rock such as pebbles or crystals or two from the development of minerals under pressure during the process of metamorphism such minerals being allowed greater facilities for growth in directions perpendicular to that from which the pressure is exerted, or 3. from the development of minerals, notably mica, along the planes of weakness provided by stratification or by cleavage. The trend of foliation planes across a country is often, as Darwin pointed out, remarkably regular. In some cases it follows that of stratification, in others that of cleavage. The wrinkling of the foliation must be ascribed to subsequent compression, and all the features seen in the strained-slip structure of slate are repeated on a somewhat coarser scale in schists. Many schists are undoubtedly produced by the contact metamorphism of shales. On the flanks of mountain chains, where agrilecious rocks have been arched into domes and where granite has intruded as a core, the complete passage can be traced from sediment to schist. The clay rocks lend themselves readily to the production of mica, usually of the pale type andalusite and occasionally sillimanite and kyanite arise andalusite often forms gray prisms of irregular outline resembling slate pencils and standing out above the mica on any weathered surface almandine garnet is almost always present quartz occurs in streaks and patches which resolve themselves into granular aggregates on microscopic examination the mica imparts a distinct foliation to the mass but the original stratification is very often preserved and the minerals have developed along its planes small differences in the constitution of the original strata give rise to different types of schist interbedded with one another andalusite, for instance, may occur only in certain argillaceous layers while other layers are quartzose through the presence of original sand mica schist is the commonest type of metamorphic rock where mineralization has taken place over a wide area it may be difficult to say if the foliation planes in a schist are those of bedding or of superinduced cleavage or whether they indicate a sliding movement in the mass under pressure whereby all preceding structures have become obliterated Amphibole schist often styled epidiorite consists of foliated hornblende or its greener ally actinolite associated with granular felspar and sometimes with equally granular quartz. The amphibole being usually prismatic, the crystals are found with their longer axes arranged in parallel planes, and often streaked out parallel to one another. Minute wrinklings, due to subsequent yielding, are not so frequent as in schists. Amphibole schists occur commonly as knots and somewhat irregular masses among schists. And represent basic igneous rocks that were interbedded or intrusive in the sedimentary series. The pyroxene of the original rock has become recrystallized as hornblende, and the felspathic constituent has rearranged itself in granular forms. J. J. H. Teal has described in interesting detail an example from the older rocks of Sutherland, and his paper contains a useful discussion of problems of pressure metamorphism. Amphibolites. Hornblende schists are often seen to pass into true diorites, but they also have relationships with the more puzzling rocks known as amphibolites. These, again, graduate into peroxenites, or rocks rich in peroxine, with granular quartz and triclinic felspar, and into eclogites, which may be defined as peroxenites with garnet. Peroxine eclogite in South Africa is associated with diamond. And fragments of exploded eclogite abound in the igneous vents from which the diamonds are extracted. What has been called pyroxene granulite is a dark granular eclogite including rhombic pyroxene side by side with garnet and associated in Saxony and Skye with igneous intrusions. In both localities it has been shown to result from the inclusion of basic rocks such as dolerites and gabbros in a bath of some invading magma. The lens-like form of the Saxon masses and the occurrence also of sheets of pyroxene granulite interlaminated with fine-grained granite were till lately attributed to the rolling-out action of pressure metamorphism. By what h Kredner calls a complete reversal of opinion, due mainly to the opening of new railway sections, the granular eclogites of Saxony are now regarded as products of extreme contact alteration combined with igneous flow. A Harker similarly points out that examples in sky are derived from basaltic lavas into which gabbro has intruded producing a complete reconstruction of the rock where a series of igneous rocks and sediments in some cases already altered by pressure has been attacked and partly melted up by granite amphibolite blocks are found as the common residue in the mingled mass the quartzites and mica schists of the mantle that overlies the granite dome may have disappeared by stoping and absorption rocks rich in amphibole remain and they commonly contain peroxine as well as hornblende in some cases as in sky and saxony they may be traced to basic igneous rocks but in others they may be referred with equal certainty to limestone the interaction of the granite magma and the calcareous sediment has produced a silicate rock completely different from either Lévy and Lacroix have shown how the amphibolites of France may sometimes represent dolerites, sometimes limestones. Their work has recently received striking support from the observations of the Geological Survey of Canada. Streaky hornblende nieces over wide areas of Ontario are now attributed to the partial absorption of overlying limestone by what was once regarded as a fundamental granite the amphibolite blocks have become drawn out into bands that follow all the flow structure of the invading igneous mass. A small area of the same kind was studied in 1900 in northwest Ireland, where a remarkably pure granitoid rock consisting of quartz and alkali felspar has become enriched with dark mica at the expense of blocks of amphibolite included in it. Metamorphic Marbles and Quartzites Some of the changes that convert limestone into crystalline marble have already been referred to. The presence of mica in limestones may allow a foliation when pressure comes to be applied to them and calc result. The mica may be detrital or may arise through the metamorphism of clayey bands, but it forms weak layers along which the shearing movements take place which lead to a schistose structure in the mass. Pure granular marble may also occasionally become converted into a calc-schist by deformation of its crystalline grains along gliding planes within each crystal. When we consider quartzites, the same question rises as in the case of crystalline limestones, and it is often difficult to state that a quartzite owes its character to metamorphism. Microscopic examination sometimes reveals the effects of earth pressures in the crushed and powdered condition of the larger grains and no rocks exhibit the power of such pressures in producing structural modifications more strikingly than the coarse quartz grits that are sometimes involved in regions of dynamic metamorphism. Pebbles and grains are alike deformed, pressed out along planes of fracture, and finally reduced to bands of powdered quartz. When felspathic pebbles occur in these grits, the resulting schistose mass has almost the appearance of a banded igneous rock and streaky white mica may arise from the alteration of potassium felspar. Some sandstones contain sufficient felspar or calcium carbonate to form a flux when they are subjected to thermal metamorphism. At times, a glass thus arises between the grains, and reacts upon the original quartz. When the igneous magma has melted up a sandstone or a quartzite, blocks of the sediment may remain surrounded by a mixed and recrystallized product from both rocks, wright and bailey have studied an example in Colonsay, where a hornblend rock has partly dissolved a quartzite the residual blocks being surrounded by halos of interaction composed of quartz and alkali felspar chapter six